folks, and welcome back to the Is It Over Yet Wrestling podcast. This is episode 12. Uh, apologies for not being around last week. We had life stuff, you know how it is. Um, I'm joined as ever by my awesome co-host, Sam Whaley. How you doing, dude? Hot. Yeah, very, tell me about very it. Very, hot, sweaty, hot, hot, hot. But I've had plenty of decent music this week to try and get me through the horrendous weather. Awesome. Talk to me. What you been listening to? I've been listening to the Mariachi El Bronx. Also, the Dreadnoughts as well. Absolutely one of my favourite bands ever. Cool, man. What kind of music are they? Dreadnoughts is like poker-type, uh, folky, British folk, punk. But they're from Canada. So. Are they kind of like Gogol Bordello, that kind of thing? Similar, yeah. yeah. It's, it's I don't know if I said that right. More of, a, more of a British folk feel than a, a European, but yeah. I see, man. I see. That sounds like a, sounds like a cool week. I too have been pretty pretty damn hot. It's it's absolutely sweltering. Um, about twenty five degrees around here at the moment. So sleeping with fans on and everything. I was gonna say it said twenty nine in my car earlier. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a microwave, man. Um, we have the fortunate look this weekend of climbing the third biggest peak in England as well, Helvellyn. And I think the weather's gonna be like this. So it's gonna be all shorts. Uh, probably no t-shirts so <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of pale dudes walking around that mountain Excellent. this week is that in the lake district or... uh, did i say peak district i'm not sure if i did um, is it the peaks? no it's in the lake district in the lakes, um right. yeah so it's, it's it's we've done it before i think we did it last yeah. time for my brother's stag do uh part of it anyway but yeah it's going to be a bit hotter this time so fingers crossed if i fall off you take the reins replace me whatever you need to do the rights are yours it's all good oh, i will do i will do thank yeah, you very much say, uh, I've done something similar. I did Scarfell Pike before. That's in. I think that's uh, nearby where you are. I think that might be the bigger one, if you know what I mean. I think that might I be think the bigger Scarfell one. Scarfell Pike is the second next to Ben Nevis. Oh, very cool, man. Very cool. Well, I was up for a bit of mountain climbing, so maybe we could plant an IIOY flag up the top of one of them sometime. Who knows? Ace. Who knows, man? Um, yeah, so this week is the debut of our World of Trios um, a segment that we've been advertising, well, not segment, brand, that we've been advertising for uh, for the past week or so. Um, so we hope you're excited about it. Right, so let's do this properly, man. Let's launch into this uh, wrestling style. Let's, let's fire up that final punch. All right, you ready? Oh... folks welcome to the first ever world of trios segment of the show um we're pretty excited um i think i think we've explained this on the trailer exactly how world of trios works but we're just going to run it down again so every week from now on we're going to expand our horizons and we're going to talk about way more than just wwe the world of trios it's basically three things that sam and i like three things that Sam and I didn't like this week in wrestling, and then we'll give you a bit of news, a bit of a roundup of the week. It could alternate. There could be three different things um, according to how we're feeling that week. I mean, this thing is pretty maneuverable. But this week, we're going to give you a rundown of, of the past couple of weeks kind of coverage of wrestling. We're going to go into stuff like Lucha Underground, um, Impact Wrestling, a bit of WWE. So yeah, you ready to do this, dude? Are you ready? I'm ready. The Good Okay, so item number one on our likes is the issues between Pentagon Jr. and Sammy Callahan. So this is on Impact Wrestling. So Impact flashes back to a PC Ultra show where Pentagon is in the ring and Sammy Callahan attacks him with a baseball bat. Eventually, OVE, that's um, Callahan's kind of cohorts, that's Jake and Dave Christ, show up and hold Pentagon down and they unmask Pentagon and steal the mask. Yeah, it's pretty disrespectful stuff. Now, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, Sammy attempted this previously on Impact, I think the week before, but he was saved by Phantasma, otherwise known as King Cuerno on Lucha Underground. That's correct, yeah. Okie doke. But yeah, he got his way here in the uh, in the PC Ultra show. Uh, we then later on got a promo from Pentagon Jr. Uh, on Impact, which was super unique. Um, it had a lot of good visuals going on, so definitely check this one out. He challenges Callahan to a mask versus hair match at Slammiversary. To which Callahan replies in a promo saying he accepts. And he kind of really goes to town on Pentagram. Pentagram? On Pentagon. <laughs> saying he saying he's just some Mexican zombie and he's pretending to be this old gimmick. And really all he is is a good pro wrestler. What do you know about hair versus mask matches, dude? 
It sounds proper old school to me, and I like stuff like this. The only problem sometimes, I think, with a something versus something match is you sort of can predict who the winner's going to be. Okay. Yeah, uh, no. But as for the Pentagon promo, man, that was awesome. The, the visual effect is just ace. I, I felt sort of, like, relaxed but intrigued at the same time. Oh, yeah. The colours are so relaxing. It was hypnotic, but, wasn't it? Yeah, great. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Makes Pentagon look scary i think and that's the, that's the look he goes for and i think pentagon jr is uh one of the coolest wrestlers of the last year definitely without a doubt i i wholeheartedly agree man i mean i've been following the guy for a little while in lucha underground i was very intrigued by his character then and i really do think he's got something unique his gimmick just works pretty much against anybody as we've seen um yeah, in I mean, lucha he's got one of the most he's got one of the most dangerous looking finishing maneuvers ever as well I'd say so, man. Are we talking about the uh, the package uh, pile driver type thing, or are we talking about yeah, the arm the, break? The pile driver. Yeah, it's pretty nasty looking. Look, it looks horrendous. I think a lot of kind of the lucha scene are known for doing things that look very dangerous, but are actually quite well choreographed and, and just look f- just awful. But they just it's all based around that's kind of gimmickry, I, that's isn't what it? I want to see in wrestling, though. I don't want to see something stupid like a strong clothesline. You know, I want to see an awesome like move like that that looks like it's going to kill somebody that's what you want to see in wrestling it's true man and ever since i've been watching um well impact but lucha underground as well we'll go into this a bit later yeah things things you they really take you away on that tv show and and seeing as a lot of those lucha underground wrestlers have come over to impact it's kind of changed the style of impact i think that there's a lot more going on I think what it is is I i think because obviously lucha underground uh use talent from triple a Yes, uh, and I think Impact are sort of in coerts with AAA at the same time, aren't they? I think they sort of do talent swaps. Yeah, I've got a little bit of background about uh, hair versus mask matches. If you if you'd like to know anything about that, what do you think? Dude? I would love to know about that. Okay, a little bit of history for you, and I'm probably going to mispronounce quite a lot of kind of Mexican Spanish names here, but I'm going to give it a go. Oh, wait, b- before you start, can you please make sure you do your best Spanish accent when you're announcing the names? I can try my hardest. Okay, I'll give that a shot, right? Um, So in Lucha Libre, there's a traditional type of match called the Luchas de Apuestas, as far as I can see, and that is known as the match with wages. So the idea behind these matches is each combatant must put something of value on the line, such as hair, mask, that kind of thing. One variation on this is the Mascara contra Caballera. Um, or hair versus mask match, and this yeah. was first uh, contest. Thank you. This was first contested in Arena Mexico, as uh, Matt Striker would say, in 1940, when one champion was so much lighter than his challenger that he requested basically a further condition for the match uh, before he would sign, and that was that his opponent would have to put his hair on the line as well. So the rules of these matches, obviously, are the masked wrestler and the unmasked wrestler compete. If the masked wrestler wins, he must unmask, and if the unmasked wrestler wins he must shave his hair and be humiliated so these kind of matches are usually like big blow-offs of feuds as well in lucha libre but they've been adopted in a lot more kind of mainstream um avenues as well such as wwe and i don't know if you remember this one but cm punk had a match with Rey mysterio in 2010 at over the limit um when cm punk was kind of wearing his mask i don't know if you remember that no. Oh, wow. You need to go back no. and watch this because it's it's an awesome period. Um, it's when CM Punk's basically in the Straight Edge Society. I don't remember the storyline exactly. Yeah, I know the Straight Edge Society. I don't yeah. remember wearing a mask. He lost his hair somehow. CM Punk donned this lucha mask. And, yeah, he ended up having a kind of hair versus mask match with uh, Rey Mysterio at some point. I can't remember the whole storyline, so forgive me, listeners, please. But yeah, I think yeah. the last time I remember a hair match in WWE was Kurt Angle. Oh. oh, dude, I remember that. When was that, though? Like, was that 2000? Was that like 10 years ago? ago? Maybe more? I would say more, yeah. I think you're oh, looking wow. more towards the uh, very early 2000s. I see. Okie doke. So there's two awesome matches for people to go back and watch. Uh, the Rey Mysterio and, uh, and CM Punk match and the Edge versus Kurt Angle match. So there you go, a little bit of history. Anyway, I'm pretty excited <laughs> about really, that match. Sorry, I just got to find out. I actually remember the Kurt Angle Edge one really vividly. Talk to me. I think... The thing that really, really annoys me about that is at the end when uh, when Edge wins, obviously, he goes to um, shave Kurt's head, but he's using the clippers the wrong way around, and it really annoys me every time I see it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's just like it's kind of not that believable when you know the <laughs> reality behind it. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I mean, that's the history behind it. Obviously, they're kind of honoring lucha tradition here um, with playing, they're really playing Sammy Callahan up as this devious heel who really wants to just do anything to destroy his opponent's uh, credibility, that kind of thing, by unmasking He's a Pentagon. very, very naughty man. He's sort of a little bit unhinged, isn't he? He really is. And, um, I mean, he's spread across two companies, probably more at the moment that I know about anyway. Um, and he's just yeah. working think, great gimmicks. Think, um, I've, uh, which is the second company you're talking about? Uh, Lucha Underground as Jeremiah Crane, as we all yeah. mention soon. I think I've heard that he's left that. I think he's done with that now. I think he has too, but I think the problem with Lucha Underground, well, not the problem, but the, the kind of the issue with that is they tape, don't they? Kind of like yeah, they tape yeah. a whole season at once. So we get this Lucha Underground uh, character running at the same time as Impact Wrestling, and we yeah. have to kind of imagine two universes. Like I think you said to me the other day, Phoenix is dead. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think but I saw him all, on TV. Yeah, I think they've all got, that's why they've all got sort of like different names, aren't they? I know some of them are only slight variations, but yeah, they all have like sort of a different name, don't they? I think the impact names are their triple a names if i'm right or variations on like you've said but they're closer to the triple a names whereas lucha yeah. underground tries to establish like a trademark universe for itself so it just you know you've got king cuerno and stuff like that um so yeah i'm super looking forward to that um the last match sammy callahan had against eddie edwards was brutal and it did a lot of things things for both guys so i mean pentagon jr does not need much doing for him but I can just imagine this elevating both of them, really. Yeah, I think that's the idea. Awesome. At the, at the minute, Impact is just... It's getting back to how it was when it first began, and I think that's what I quite like. They're sort of like pushing... You know, they're not using um, ex-WWE guys. They're mm. sort of pushing their own talent forward, or talent from around the world, aren't they? You've got the... Uh, uh, a lot of the cruiserweights from Mexico, and I think they went through quite a, a spell of bringing a lot of Japanese guys in as well. I think I like that idea, and I like what they're doing at, at th- Impact at the minute. I think the thing about Impact is it goes through waves, and it finds itself at highs when it's utilizing its homegrown talent, and maybe not necessarily homegrown, but people that didn't come from yeah, WWE. I mean, they can use ex-WWE guys for elevation and to give them a bit of a push-up in kind of the mainstream um, side of things, but just relying on them, as we saw with the with yeah. like the yeah. kind of they, they had like Sandow, the best ever example in history. Oh wow, man! I mean, I was going to reference the whole like Booker T, Sting, well, Hulk yeah. Hogan thing. That was it was that it was, was good. That was the WCW style mistake. It was, but yeah, you're right about the whole Sandow thing. I was a huge fan of that man in WWE, and I was really excited about what he could do without the shackles of WWE. But turned out. He couldn't do much, really. And I don't know whether he was to blame or impact. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, are you ready to talk about our second point? I am ready. So this exists in the Lucha Underground universe, and it is the Grave Consequences match that we saw last week between Mil Mortes, Phoenix, and Jeremiah Crane, otherwise known as Sammy Callahan. So this match is a variation on the casket match, except there is a casket, in this case three caskets for each competitor, and there are no rules. So uh, this match was the third in the series, and it featured um, a couple of people that have been in these matches before, Mil Muertes and Phoenix, but with the addition of Jeremiah Crane. The reason for the match was Mill's partner, Katrina, is stuck between two worlds and needs life force to come back, so Mill must win and Jeremiah is included as he has a past with Katrina and wants to take out Mill and Phoenix. So the match itself, um, I thought was superb. It was a prime example of how to put on a good hardcore match and tell a story. How did you feel about this one, man? One thing I've just got to correct you on there. Okay, go for it. (laughs) It is not a grave consequences match, Daniel. It is three ways to the grave. I was going to say that, man. (laughs) I was hoping you'd, you'd jump in there, but yeah. Yeah some great spots in here as well i thought there was some awesome bits i think the, there was a part where uh mil muertes ends up in the coffin uh he hasn't quite got his legs in and i think oh no they've, they've really messed up there phoenix does it again and they do it exactly they do it spot on yeah. i think there's a lot of things like you say because um because lucha underground is taped they get uh you know second tries third tries fourth tries so i think a lot of the time when you're watching these matches on tv they, they look pretty damn good and yep. pretty flawless i think when uh, if you were ever there watching it live it wouldn't look as good a little bit more tiring uh, as an audience member yeah yeah i think uh, i was listening to the 
Masks, Mats and Mayhem podcast. Uh, I know those guys actually go to watch uh, Lucha Underground live. Awesome. Uh, and they mentioned about being there seven hours for one of the uh, tapings that they did. And wow, by, that's as long as WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they were saying um, that the yeah, uh, Grave Consequences match was one of the ones where the crowd sort of like drop off because they've been sat there so long um, that they sort of lose interest in it. But it's not to take away from the amazingness of the actual match itself. So I guess Lucha Underground is a much better experience as a a fan watching on TV than it is actually in the temple. I mean, obviously, you, so, you get yeah. the vibes in the temple and you probably get to you know experience all the stuff that goes along with these uh, fantastical characters. But yeah, if you're there for seven hours, that's uh, yeah, that's something. I mean, the crowd, the crowd are nice and hot for a guy like uh, Big Bad Steve. Big Bad Steve, yes. But then when you've got Mil Muertes at the end, of Phoenix, <laughs> everyone's just like, I, mean, I, I love Mil Muertes. I think at, at the end when he eventually does close the uh, close the casket on Phoenix, his music. I was saying this to you. His music is just awesome. It's so just like, do me. Doom! Phoenix is dead. It's incredible. It, like, it does sound like like a death procession. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, and I, I like the bit as well where you've got the. I don't know what the actual Mexican name for it is, but you, the Undertakers are wearing the uh, the like Sugar Skull face paint. I, I oh, like the kind of Day of the Dead people. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so just a bit of a rundown of this match anyway. So Jeremiah Crane was was uh, eliminated first as the returning Ivelisse, who Sammy thought he'd got rid of at the previous Ultima Lucha, not pay-per-view, but big show, came out and literally hammered Crane with a hammer until he fell into a coffin and the lid was closed. broke the hammer over his head. She did. I, I think it was just like a handle in the end, right? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, um, and in the end, yeah, Mil Muertes um, was victorious over Phoenix. I think he hit a flatliner and he dumped him in the in the casket. Call me, call me a mark, but there was some really great spots in this match that I just, I couldn't help but just totally mark out for. Like, Crane going to the top of the stairs and then Mil Muertes appearing through the doors. <laughs> Um, as if out of nowhere and using the doors to kind of knock him out <laughs> which yeah. was awesome and yeah just the use of, of like the coffins in the ring as weapons because they're these <laughs> kind of I think they they must be metal uh, it just looks brutal when yeah getting... they're sort of crumpling don't they yeah yeah so they're obviously quite cheap but I mean I, I don't think I'd want that to happen to me so no. yeah it was it was just extraordinary and um, I guess this was your first Grave Consequences match am I right? Uh, it's the first one I've watched in the, you know, like up to date timeline. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, the the previous two, uh, they, they had a lot. This match had a lot to live up to, and, and it more than did really because you got that extra man, Jeremiah Crane. But the previous two are definitely for anyone that hasn't seen them worth checking out because they're just as brutal. There's a lot of callbacks in this match to those matches, and you you just can't really beat seeing someone like Prince Puma or Mil Muertes or Phoenix just going at it in the way that only they can in that setting. So it was a part that really made me laugh during the match as well. That was uh, I don't know whether it was uh, Mill that did it. He used the um, the roses that were on top of the coffin to attack Jeremiah Crane. Oh yeah, and uh, I think it was Matt Stryker who was like, "Oh my God, they've got thorns on them." <laughs> We, obviously, we've not spoken about Lucha Underground that much on this show, but the commentary team are something else because you get from them a completely different kind of angle on commentary than you would in WWE. There's, I don't think there's that many people shouting in their ear. It's kind of like Vince McMahon would be. Um, you and can tell though, can't you? Because I think sometimes the, the stuff they say is sort of daft. But It's over the top, isn't it? It's, and yeah. it's meant to be because, I mean... It's on the El Rey network, which is owned by, um, Ro I think it's Robert Rodriguez, who was like famous for like, I think he did From Dusk Till Dawn, like the whole Mexican oh, vampire cool. type thing. So I, I think he's the, yeah, I think he's the executive producer. He's just got his name on it because it's his channel. Um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong again, but yeah, um, there's a lot of that kind of feel on this uh i think they call it like grindhouse type thing or whatever um it's quite pulpy but yeah absolutely fantastic match as a, a part of a great show as well so you know i'm going to be continuing watching lucha underground they're really setting a standard um ready for number three of our likes trez yeah awesome dude right um so this one is nxt so last week we got tomaso champa challenging alistair black and we also got a really fiery promo from Johnny Gargano saying he isn't done with Champa yet. So we got two different angles going on there. We've got Champa thinking he's over the whole thing, over the whole feud with Johnny Gargano, and moving on to Alistair Black. And we've got Johnny Gargano, who, 
is not ready to let go of what happened at TakeOver when Champa just beat him. So, yeah, on this week, uh, on this week's NXT, we learn that Champa will face Black in three weeks on, X- on NXT TV. Meanwhile, Johnny Wrestling faces EC3 this week. Um, there's a bit of a story going on around this one as well. So prior to the match, Velveteen Dream is in the ring posing after his win over Chris Dijak um, in a more than competitive match, really. And it's interrupted by EC3 coming down for his match. So he doesn't let Velveteen do his whole pose thing. Velveteen is pretty annoyed about this one. And yeah, we get the match between Johnny Gargano and EC3. What did you think about this match, man? Just going back quickly to the last part. I Do think, it. Uh, I spoke to you about Chris Chris Dijak. He's awesome. I said Dijak um, again. Sorry, yeah, Dijak. 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 <laughs> yeah, um, I think he's absolutely awesome. I, I mean, over here in the UK, we don't really get to see a lot of Ring of Honor. Uh, I know he was like huge in Ring of Honor, but... Um, Huge, literally and figuratively. Yep. Uh, but yeah, when I saw him come out this time, I feel like he looked a lot bigger against Velveteen Dream than he did against Ricochet, which is strange it to is. say. I'll tell you why I think that was, man, because I don't think he showed anywhere near as much character as he did this week. This is the bit where he grabbed Velveteen, wasn't he? And he's like, time to fly! Yeah, there was a lot more shouting and intensity from him, whereas yeah. last week, or the week whenever it was that he faced Ricochet, it was it was more of a showcase of what he could do and, you know, coming out. And he definitely impressed me. But um, this week, he was out to prove something. And I think he almost did. Yeah, I really, I really liked it. I said to you, I, I thought it was strange how the... They'd jobbed him, um, and he's lost now twice in his two appearances on NXT. Yeah. Um, it's I don't know, it's strange. I feel like he's, he should be a guy that should be coming out and being given a local competitor to squash. I feel like they're testing him, is all. I just feel like they've got this guy, and he is six foot... Six foot ten? Six foot nine? I don't know. Uh, he's, he's big. Yeah, he's he's got the size, he's got the look, um, but... I think you can't that, teach that. You, you you cannot teach that. Well, you couldn't teach it to Cass anyway. Ooh, <laughs> jokes. Ooh. I'm so sorry. That's just, I'm, I'm impartial. But yeah, I don't know. He's He seems to be on the road to something fairly big because he's not being squashed in these matches by any stretch of the imagination. He's getting oh, no. stuff in. I can't help but think they're just kind of testing him. And in the next few months, the guy will have something. But... If you just look at NXT right now, God, that roster is stacked with storylines. I don't know where they'd put him. Yeah, I think they're trying to... You can tell that they're trying to set up ready for the next takeover, but I, so, <laughs> you can't see where they're going, can they? I, I can't, but... I think, I, I, I guess, you're going to get AC3 versus Velveteen, aren't you? Yeah, and that's that's kind of interesting because both of those guys are um, heelish, Heel. if not Heels. tweeners, because obviously people cheer for Velveteen, so the crowd's kind of controlling yeah, his stance. I would stance. say AC3 is more, is more the heel out of the... Pair. Me too, me too, and I think that might be the road to slowly turning Velveteen into that middle guy, the guy that's yeah. like not a face, not a heel, because he acts very heelish right now, and that fits his persona, but EC3 is just an arrogant it's so, it's douche. similar to how, um, I'm interrupting you loads there. Do it, man, really do it. Apologize. You've got stuff to say, I welcome it's, it. Um, it's how Pete Dunne is, how Pete Dunne comes across, because he sort of has the, he wrestles and acts like a heel but obviously he's the face and he's over yeah and how smooth the transition was that from heel to face i mean you didn't even see it coming it was just part of a storyline and it flowed seamlessly and i get the feeling that if they managed to do that with ec3 and velveteen dream that could make both of those guys we'll we'll see really um the actual match here though between ec3 and gargano i i loved it i thought they worked a really cool match and ec3 looked really like strong because he looks stacked but he he really demonstrated his strength here and it kind of more showcased the, a real brutal side of johnny gargano he's clearly like snapped and yeah wasn't there a part where ec3 did did something that champa did and that was the point what sent uh put Johnny over the edge. Oh, wow. That's, that sounds like a nuance that I did not pick up on. What did, what was it? I can't think what it was. I oh. think EC3 did something, and Mauro mentioned it, uh, that it was something that Champer had done, and then at that point, that was when Gargano sort of lost it. Oh, right. Okay. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. I mean, I just noticed like this kind of tension building throughout the match, and eventually just Johnny, he, he locked in that, um, what is it, the crossface at the end, and he just looked like he'd had enough. And yeah. then I, I, th- I it's don't It's a little think... bit like the Rings of Saturn, isn't it? That is the Gargano escape, isn't it? Yeah, there's so many like variations on the kind of like um, LaBelle 
uh, lock, yes lock type thing, isn't there in the cross face that you're never quite sure. But it's is it like he he locks it over his head, doesn't he? It he looks, locks yeah, the arm that over the head. Looks like it hurts because it looks yeah. like you're pulling the arm out of the socket as well as the head back. Yeah, man, absolutely brutal. And it's it seems like another little kind of like nuance to Johnny's character. I I'm not sure where they're going with this because. The last time we saw this happen, right, was, in my mind, was in the whole Sammy Callahan-Eddie Edwards feud, where Eddie was a face and uh, Sammy was a heel, but Eddie just completely snapped, didn't he, in the end? And now he is a heel yeah. feuding with Tommy Dreamer, I think. So I'm yeah. hoping they don't go full heel with Johnny because he's such a valuable baby face. But, yeah, that, that, that whole feud with Champa is not over. It's There's, yeah. there's something, something brewing there. And whether or not Champa takes that... Um, title from Alistair Black. Fingers crossed he doesn't because I love Black as the champion but God, Champa with that belt would be a demon. I think this was uh, EC3's best match since coming to NXT so far. Yeah, considering it was a loss, that's a, an awesome thing to say, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah so yeah, the, the guy's, he's, he's got unlimited potential. He's learned a lot outside of the company. He's come in with, with a lot of promise. And we saw in the North American title match that he could more than hang with the, the big boys, so to speak. And yeah, he's putting on, if you're in the ring with Johnny Gargano, he's going to make you look great, but you've really got to live up to something as well. So I know we're trying to stick to, um, stick to one thing here, but I've just got one more thing to say about Velveteen Dream as well. Talk to me, man. The, uh, have you noticed, he, is it a new finisher that he's got there? He, no, he normally does the Death Valley Driver, doesn't he? The rolling oh, yeah. Death Valley yeah. Driver. Or the elbow driver. Yeah. He did something strange, like sort of a, it was a bit like a flatliner. Oh, okay, cool. A little yeah. bit like the um, Sister Abigail, but more twisty. Ah, that's, that's, I mean, maybe they just add into his kind of repertoire type thing. I love that Death Valley drop thing, uh, Death Valley Driver. It looks ace on someone his size. And obviously, that elbow drop is just as as you know as well as Kyrie Sims. It's just something else. So yeah, well, if he finished Dijak off with this with this move, I don't know whether it's a new finisher or I don't know really. Okay, whether they just called it on the fly. Maybe, maybe, man. But yeah, um, both cool matches. Obviously, Velveteen getting a win is key to his momentum keeping going. Um, Dijak got an awesome showing, and then we got this killer match to end NXT. So. Another phenomenal show. It showcased everyone that needs to be showcased, and I love it, man. You, I believe, have got an honourable mention as well for this week's likes. Is that true? I have an honourable mention, yeah, that's right. It's from 205 Live this week. We've got the Australian Buddy Murphy against Mustafa Ali Mm -hmm. in a no disqualification match, and it was absolutely brutal. There were some amazing spots in this. Um, there's a part where they do like a flipping flatliner from the barricade onto the announce desk and it's one of the best things I've seen in ages it's definitely worth a look it's definitely a, it's a spot fest match is that move called the Spanish you, Fly? it's called the Spanish Fly Spanish isn't fly. it? Yes, that's, that's the, one. the one yeah that's the one Spanish Fly from the barrier onto the announce table brilliant Buddy Murphy like as one of the bigger end of the uh, 205 roster I, I love him I think he's great i know you absolutely you don't like him do you but i don't I think buddy murphy's brilliant one thing impressed me in this match and i can't exactly pinpoint it but he did something outside the ring like he flew over the ropes and did this really cool thing and i thought for someone his size and someone that's got a character like him it was it was just rad this is probably going to make me into the heel of the podcast um but you've been trying to sway me on 205 Live for a while. I watch an awful lot of wrestling every week, and I just haven't found time for it. And everyone from the reviews I read to Twitter talks about how it's one of the best wrestling shows. You're trying your hardest every week to just say, Dan, get around to it, man. Get around to it. I did watch this match this week. It was great. It really it, it told a good story as well as having the spot fest kind of feel that the cruiserweights usually have. So I'll, I'll hopefully be watching more. Um, I think, yeah, I think the thing about 205 is that it's not really storyline driven as such. Uh-huh. It's more wrestling driven. So I think, yeah, I think if you are into uh, wrestling rather than storylines, I think 205 is the place to be. Yeah, man. I mean, can I just, I'm just going to mention my favorite part of this match was the the awesome um, suplex from the top ropes using the steps, the, the steel steps in the ring as leverage. It was something I've never seen before. Maybe it's happened somewhere else, but it was just cool. There was a lot it of cool dangerous. things. It looked really dangerous. Yeah, it, it did. And it wasn't, but it, it did. And that's the key. Yeah. Like you said about Lucha Underground, that's the key. If these guys can do that kind of thing and make you believe... Yeah, and they did. So, 205 Live, killer. The Bad. Okay. 
So the first thing I've got, and this is number one on our dislikes list, um, is the feud between Sasha Banks and Bailey. So this feud has been building for months, hints of absolutely nothing, and then starting up again. And finally, over the past few weeks, it looked to reach a bit of a crescendo. So getting a bit excited about this one. And then there was a kind of a moment where the light shone through, and last week Bailey kind of beat the hell out of Sasha. And, I, and I, oh man, I was like, Sam, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. However, I skipped over a part. Um, which was the bit afterwards where Kurt Angle sent Bailey to counselling. And they're going to counselling with none other than Dr. Shelby, who we remember from the Team Hell No storyline. So that's when Daniel Bryan and Kane had to kind of get along. Now, that was a comedy angle, right? And it was believable and funny and you bought into it. But these guys, this is a heated feud, man. This is like two people that have got like this blood feud. They were friends and, and, and now they hate each other. And, and now you're sending them to comedy counselling. Kurt Angle definitely doesn't like ratings, does he? <laughs> I mean, if this was all legit and Kurt Angle was actually the uh, the general manager, then he is stupid. Yep. What is the what is the thing that you must do in wrestling? You must create feuds. Yep. And when you've got two people like Bailey and Sasha feuding, you've got to keep that going. Sending them to counselling is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. It really. And is. the actual segment itself, I just, I, oh my god, I felt like crying. It's so cringy. It's horrific. I think we've got to bear in mind that the, the original segment of this was five years ago. Um, not necessarily a different time with for comedy or wrestling, um, for that matter. But it worked at the time because you had two people that Kane had been in the business forever, been in a million storylines. He knew what he was doing. Daniel Bryan can kind of, you know, he can do anything, really. He's, he's just got the emotion. He's got the wrestling skill, whatever. And I it think, worked. Yeah, I just feel like it makes Sasha and Bailey look stupid. Uh, I, it doesn't do anything for either of them because... No. No, it, ca- it cartoonifies like it. them, man. Yeah, it, it does. The guy himself, himself sucked as well. I hated it. it was, I don't know. I feel like I could act better than that. Well, I think the whole point is he's supposed to be a bad actor, but in that whole Team Hell No thing that, that occurred five years ago, he fit because both of those guys were kind of acting cartoony. So the scenario warranted a cartoony feel. Whereas here, you got two people that hate each other. Bailey... It's- Bailey. This should be the female version of Gargano versus Champa. Oh, dude, I, I wish. I mean, Bailey's just come out of being a cartoon, hasn't she? She's just come out from this whole, I'm happy clappy, I'm a fan favourite, I'm a cartoon character. She attacks her best friend, right? And we're like, oh, man, some intensity. Maybe she's going to start wearing black. Maybe she's going to look all crazy and stuff, whatever. Um, and then they, they put her in this, you know, cartoony scenario. I can't say cartoony enough because that's all I can think of. It feels it's like it's stupid. animated. So, yeah, that's enough of a rant about that. I think we've milked that one. Yeah, that sucks. Um, on something that I think we're both going to find really funny. I'm not going to waste a lot of time laboring an old topic here because we rant about this poor guy enough. Um, but there are some things that WWE is not that good at and giving Roman Reigns cool lines is one of those things. They're terrible at it. So, yeah, he's Roman is building to a feud with Bobby Lashley and the kind of the crux of the thing is Roman calling Bobby Lashley Bob. Bob. Yeah, he, and he in his promo this week or whatever it was, he he repeated Bob an awful lot. Like I can't remember the exact promo. He's like, you know, you got a problem with me, Bob? You'll come and find me, Bob. And it, he was just laboring the whole Bob thing. Is the it whole just thing about this is the whole thing about this is stupid anyway because Reigns is sort of using the fact that um, Lashley hasn't been around for a while. He has been around, and he's been doing better things than Roman Reigns. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, he has. Yeah. So, I don't know. Is it just me, or are people just out to mildly annoy Bobby Lashley these days? They just. I want Bobby Lashley to kick Roman Reigns' ass. Yeah, I mean, who's the heel here? <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, maybe they're going for that kind of shades of grey thing, but it doesn't work here. We need a clear-cut line. Uh, no. Bobby Lashley needs to be either an, you know, uh, the destroyer or a happy smiley face, whatever. Roman Reigns needs to figure out where he's going. And when I say Roman Reigns, I don't mean the guy, because the guy is awesome. I mean, WWE oh, needs to figure it out. He's a heel, isn't he? It's just everything he does is really heelish. Like yeah. when he's standing in the ring saying, I'm the guy, this is my yard. That's not a face thing to say, is it? I no. don't know. I, just, I hate it. And when we're talking about um, bad lines that WWE give to Roman Reigns, uh, this is actually the three-year anniversary of suffering succotash I discovered this week. Three years, man. So we've been... I, I, I don't want to sound whingy here, but we've been enduring the whole big deal Roman push for, for three, three years. Yeah. 
Well, he hasn't Roman always... Reigns has been whining for three years now. Bret Hart only did it for a month before turning heel. Yeah, and that was the best heel turn in the absolute history of any company. Like I say, not going to labour an old point. We give Roman Reigns a lot of stick around here. Um, I'm going to move on to number three, if that's cool, dude. So yeah, mm. this one is um, regarding Jonathan Coachman's commentary. So I hadn't noticed this until the past couple of weeks. Obviously, Jonathan Coachman used to be part of the WWE commentary team maybe around 10, 15 years ago. He was like a heel character. And he seemingly returned here and seems really lost among a really strong team of Corey Graves and Michael Cole. I believe he is he's on Raw, isn't he, with those guys? Yeah. Um, those guys have got it figured out. Corey Graves has got an established role. He's very Bobby Heenan, but crazy and young. And um, Michael Cole is just Michael Cole. We, we accept that. He does what he does. Um... But yeah, both of those men are equipped to deliver fantastic commentary. Coach seems to be super clunky. Like, he'll say confusing things that just kind of ruin the narrative of a match. Like, um, I don't know if you you remember, was it in the match Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey? It may have been. But um, sh- Nia had like a, a bear hug on, on Ronda, I think it is. It may have been someone else, but th- that's not no, the point. You, you, I, yeah. know what you, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and he said... Um, Ronda's just getting a rest here. She's having time to have a rest. And Michael Cole and Corey Graves are like, what are you talking Gra- yeah, about? Yeah, Graves really called him out on that. She's day. squeezing the life out of him. He's like, no, she's having a rest. And then when Ronda eventually broke the... Uh, sorry, yeah, when Ronda eventually broke the hold, um, Coach was like, see, she broke it. She was having a rest. And I was thinking... Who's telling him to say this? Coachman is just absolutely destroying kayfabe with shit like that. I can just, I can imagine Vince shouting in Corey Graves' ear, tell him to stop saying that. <laughs> just tell him. Or rip him to pieces or something. God but, damn it! Yeah, Coachman. But it was just, and he said a few little things along these lines that are just kind of like, they ruin the narrative of, of the match that Graves and Cole are trying to deliver. Like they're telling the story while we're watching it. And Coachman just <laughs> unlaces the boot and shows us everything underneath. It's just ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I spoke to you, I spoke to you before this. You, you wrote about the uh, coach commentary, and I said, I'm not really sure what you're going to talk about, but I think now that you've mentioned it all, yeah, coach sucks. It's weird, man. I mean, he's so fitting back in the day. It, he was in it during the Ruthless Aggression era. So he... The question is, is Jonathan Coachman better than Booker T or worse? Oh, God, man. I mean, Booker T um, just said funny, silly things, but he didn't say... No, no, actually, no, he did say some nonsensical things. <laughs> so, I don't know, the jury's out on that one, man. <laughs> I guess we could put that up for poll. How about we do that? Yeah, we should, yeah. They should get um, Desmond Wolf. What What is his WWE name? Nigel McGuinness. Nigel McGuinness. I think Nigel McGuinness would make a cool uh, main roster commentator with Corey Graves. Me too. Uh, me too. I mean, Morrow's already been... He already did SmackDown, didn't he? And yeah. he got moved down because of the whole JBL thing or whatever. But, um, yeah, that would be great. Nigel McGuinness, he knows what he's talking about wrestling-wise. He seems to be able to deliver a believable story when it comes to commentary. So Even that Percy guy is quite... He's, he's okay as well. He's gotten he's better, there. man. Yeah, he was something to... He was kind of a work in progress at first, and he kind of annoyed me, but he's worked out where his place is, Percy Watson on NXT. So he's he's kind of... And he just sits amongst that commentary team pretty well now. Yeah, the coach. Um, just just yeah. pick it just up a little bit, it, dude. It could be worse. We could have David Otunga. We could have David Otunga. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, you've put a positive spin on that one for me, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. And that's the end of our that's the end of our dislikes for this week. So not to be too negative. Um, let's move on to this week's news. Trios news. All right, folks. This is this week's news. Um, first up. We want to talk about All In. So the Cody Rhodes and Young Book Finance pay-per-view, which will be happening at the Sears Center in Chicago, has made some new additions. So as well as already having such stars as Kenny Omega, Rhodes, The Young Bucks, and Okada, we will now be getting Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, um, and they've also been added to the lineup. So yeah, so far in this pay-per-view, I think only one match has been announced with Cody Rhodes challenging NWA champion Nick Aldis. But yeah, this is certainly gathering a ton of attention so far um, amongst wrestling fans. So I look forward to hearing more additions on this one. Yeah, so the uh, the second thing in our trio of news is World of Sport Wrestling is returning to the UK. Hey! Uh, 
this week we had a trailer released. It was on Facebook. It was on everything. Wherever you look, it mm-hmm. was there. Um, and it's got a brilliant roster announced so far. Uh, you've got former New Japan star David Boy Smith Jr., obviously the son of the late great British Bulldog. Good old Harry, Harry Smith. That's the one. Uh, and you've got the aerial assassin Will Ospreay, Ooh. which I think is a great addition there. Um, also on the commentary team, you've got Wade Barrett, who is now known as Stu Bennett. I think that's his real name. Yeah. Uh, you've got SoCal Val, and you've got former um, champion in UK areas, Alex Shane as well. Okay. Um, there really is some awesome guys on this. I mean, you've got Shah Samuels, my best friend, Rampage Brown, or my daughter's <laughs> best friend, I should say. Uh, CJ Banks, Justin uh, Sysum. There's loads. Kip Saban, uh, Viper. I love Viper. She is super duper duper. Am I correct in saying that she competed in the May Young Classic previously as, I think she was called Viper. Yeah, yeah. So she competed yes, in the yeah. WWE tournament, yes. That's right, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some great ones on it, and obviously the reigning world of sport champion, Gredo. Awesome, yes. You always love a bit of Gredo. Yeah, he's a comedy guy, but he's great to watch. I tell you what, man, I saw the trailer for this uh, world of sport um, uh, show that's coming along. It was themed around Gredo because he's obviously the world of sport champion right now, I believe. Um, and it was it was absolutely fantastic. It was him kind of running through the roster, running through his persona, and kind of describing why people should be tuning in to World of Sport. And it really sold me. And it makes me wonder how it's going to stand up against this NXT UK brand because obviously yeah. it's on a it's on a well known network, ITV, um, and at the yeah, uh, NXT yeah, UK show is is on the network, the WWE network. So yeah. yeah. You have to say that World of Sport has got the leg up here by being on ITV. Another thing I forgot to mention as well is one of my favourite uh, UK females, Kaylee Ray, is going to be there. Yeah, um, man. And uh, my wife's going to love this, but former Love Island star, Adam's, Adam Flex Markstead. Okay, I have who, zero who knowledge of that. I will also be seeing him this weekend at uh, the NG- NGW show. So technically that means you watch Love Island. Good going, dude. <laughs> <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. Um, yeah, that's absolutely fantastic, man. Um, look forward to, to that happening on ITV. Obviously, that'll be available on a, terrestri- a free terrestrial channel. So that gives that the leg up straight away, especially in the UK. So Yeah, I awesome. hope it's available in the US as well. I hope it is. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, man. Definitely. Um, ready for news piece number three, and this is our final piece. So, yeah. Brock Lesnar, and this is just a rumor so far, and we don't usually, as, as um, someone might say, we don't usually deal in rumor and innuendo. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've on the grapevine. There's been news that Brock Lesnar potentially might not be defending the Universal Title at SummerSlam. So. Yeah, it's only a rumor, but this is, you know, it's a hypothetical scenario that we're going to talk about here. It's been a long time since we've seen Brock or the Universal title, really. Um, The lack of Lesnar and the title have led to kind of odd stories, such as Roman kind of calling him out, whinging about it time after time. Um, It's also left Raw titleless and lacking the momentum of anyone working towards a title. So you've just had that intercontinental title to fight for, which has elevated that belt, but... You left thinking, well, that's kind of a mid-cardy belt. Where's the big one? So hypothetically, if Lesnar does not return at SummerSlam to to kind of defend this belt, how do you see things going, man? I think at one point I liked um, Lesnar sort of sporadically appearing. I think yep. now it's. I think a lot of people are thinking the same thing. It's it sucks now that he's he's destroyed the Universal Title. Um, it was a new title anyway. It needed building. It needed the prestige. It needed Lesnar. But now, I don't know, I'm, I'm just not bothered about Brock Lesnar in the slightest anymore. I think it sucks that he's not defending. I think they just need to take the title off him. It's strange because, I mean, we can kind of look at Brock and say that guy is ruining the title, but it does seem that the booking here is, is, is bizarre. Vincent Mann could call that title back if he wanted, but for some reason... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there was something I thought of as well. I thought that if you didn't defend the title for 30 days, you automatically give it up. Yeah, man, I mean, that was a rule, but I guess they've kind of fog on that to have the title wandering around in the mainstream with Brock Lesnar, you know, heading towards UFC or whatever he's doing. Um, And it's not really doing it any good because we've had people like Kevin Owens, like Finn Balor for a brief second kind of show that that belt can have some potential and it can represent 
that these new upcoming stars in the company. But it, it's on a guy that is, 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 you know, heading towards his 40s if he's not 40 already. And he's not really, he's not showing up at the pay-per-views. And it, it's nothing to do with him, obviously. It's still the booking, but it makes you wonder what the, what the, what is the point in, in that title? You've, you've got, um, yeah. AJ, you've got AJ Styles, right? World champion. Oh, he's making that thing look like a, like a million bucks. A mark in history. Get it? Welcome to A Mark in History. So this is basically a segment where we will tell you something cool that happened this week in pro wrestling in history. So kind of like an on this day feature, more like an in this week feature. So Sam, what have you got for us on A Mark in History this week? So this week, actually on the 4th of July, 1987, we had the Great American Bash, uh, which was NWA Jim Crockett Promotions. This event was the first time we ever saw Dusty Rhodes' invention of war games. Yes. Yes, man. Uh, I know we saw this more recently on NXT. They brought it back. Um, you've got the two rings inside the cage, and it's it's a brutal match. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, it was Dusty Rhodes who came up with this one um, during his time with Jim Crockett Promotions. Another part about this show as well, this is the last time that... NWA Jim Crockett Promotions did closed circuit TV. Oh wow! Um, a few months later, in November 1987, was the first ever live pay per view that was across all of uh, the US. Hell yeah, man! So yeah, this was the one. This was one of the last ever like territorial shows. So are we saying that was like kind of Jim Crockett Promotions' last uh, closed circuit TV? Because I know they'd done. Re- uh, I think there was. I don't know if WrestleMania was closed circuit or if that was pay per view. I can't recall. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, th- this was 1987 one. It was, yeah. It was, it was eight, 84, was, was it? 85, yeah. My year of birth. So, yeah, in this match, you had the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk, Nikita Koloff, Dusty Rhodes, and Paul Ellering. Hell yeah. I, we... actually, I actually didn't remember that he was a wrestler. I only ever remember him as the, the manager of the Road Warriors. He was. He actually competed in a really cool scaffold match, man. And it was like, um, it was like the Road Warriors against with with paul ellering against uh, i think it was like the rock and roll express or the midnight express something like that with jim Cornette, and jim Cornette actually ended up falling off the scaffold and breaking his legs um so yeah it was a crazy match it was uh, it was these five and then they defeated the four horsemen which was rick flair Arn anderson lex luger and tully blanchard uh-huh. with jj dylan yup which uh another one who i <laughs> didn't actually remember as a wrestler they did this show three times in the space of a month the great american bash because obviously closed circuit they did it in three different areas across the uh the south of the u.s oh yeah they only did the war games twice in the first and the last one but jj dylan ended up so injured from this first one he didn't actually appear in the second one. Oh, jeez man so yeah it was brutal yeah, those matches are well known for being absolute barn burners, man. Just like last, right down to the last man. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. This is before uh, this is before all of WCW and things like that. But of, of course, WCW took over the Great American Bash, and then WWE took over the Great American Bash as well. They did not have war games though, not until recently. No. So yeah, um, would you like to know of a little interesting fact about that particular pay per view, Sam? Yes. Okay, so it's just a note, but that pay-per-view featured a wrestler called Lasertron, which I think is the most WCW slash NWA name I've ever heard. And that wrestler was otherwise known as Hector Guerrero. So that ah. is uh, is one of Eddie's brothers. I think his brothers. Brother, yeah. Um, also known as the Gobbledygooker. Hell yeah, man. So Hector Guerrero, he was spread quite a, quite far across a lot of those promotions. Lasertron, the Gobbledygooker. I mean, yeah. It awesome seems stuff. quite strange to me that Hector had such bad gimmicks when he was actually part of the amazing Guerrero family. He really was, and I believe he was actually a really good wrestler as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I strange. think I'm, I haven't actually had a chance to catch that Lasertron match, but I think I'm going to go back <laughs> and just see if it was any good. And if, it's if, on the if, network, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. Everyone, check that out. Nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff, man. We'll be back next week for more uh, Mark and History, and um, let's move along to our most over segment. Over like Rover. Oh yeah. 
dig it. Each week, Sam and I give you two superstars that we think are the most over that week. Now, the difference in this week is obviously we've got the whole World of Trios thing going on, which means we can talk about way more than just WWE. So that means we can put way more than just WWE superstars in the poll. So it might be WWE superstars this week. It may be someone from Impact. It could be someone from Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor. You know what we're saying. But what we'll do is we will put these two superstars up on Instagram, on our Twitter, and on Facebook, and you guys can vote for who you think is the most over. So Sam, who is the most over for you this week? For me this week, a guy that is the most over is someone who's actually in three different promotions. He's part of uh, AAA, Impact Wrestling, and Lucha Underground. It is, of course, Pentagon Jr. Pentagon! Yeah, or Pentagon Dark. Oh, yeah, man. Both guys are over. <laughs> um, yeah, like I was saying earlier on, I think he's one of the coolest-looking characters of all time. Um, his finishing maneuver looks brutal. A lot of the things he does in the ring look brutal. And, of course, the arm break is brutal. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the hair versus mask match as well. I think that's going to be great. Oh yeah, dude. Like I said, I've been watching this guy for three years. I've watched all the feuds, the whole Vampiro mentorship, everything that went into to Pentagon, um, and he is just a phenomenal, unique character. So, heck yeah. This week, I will be picking, yeah, um, his nemesis at the moment, Mr. Sammy Callahan or Jeremiah Crane, whatever you'd like to call him. Um, I think this guy is amazing, not only because he declares himself as the draw, but because he also spreads himself across quite a few companies he's a he's very much an indie darling but his character is so nihilistic it's so you know he doesn't have a care in the world about what anyone thinks or anyone's feelings he's just out for blood and you know accompanied by those two kind of degenerates i think you'd call them ove um yeah this guy he's a real force to be reckoned with and, and he's having a killer feud at the moment with pentagon so yeah sammy callan for me all right, folks, uh, this has been episode 12 of the Is It Over Yet Wrestling podcast and the debut of World of Trios. We really hope you enjoyed this format. And if you've got anything that you feel we need to include or anything you'd like us to talk about, please hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Also, please vote in our Most Over poll. Um, so our social media sites are twitter.com slash podcast, facebook.com slash pod, and instagram.com slash is it over yet pod please don't forget to listen to us as well over at soundcloud so that's soundcloud.com slash is it over yet pod and search for us on itunes and that's iioy wrestling podcast okie doke folks we're gonna head off into the sunset and we will be back next week for another is it over yet wrestling podcast so for me dan cooper and from this guy sam whaley take care Ta-ra.